Hey, good morning, Cornerstone Community Church. Um, if you're watching me by video this morning, it means that I'm the proud recipient of the stomach bug from my grandchildren. So right now I'm feeling a little weird. So for safety's sake, we're recording this. And if you get to see it, well, I'm at home doing something else. So anyway, having said that, um, let me share uh, the sermon with you today. A little different way to do it, kind of fun, but uh, hey, why not? Thank God for technology. What would we have done 40 years ago? All right, so um, here we go. We are doing um, uh, a message today on the attributes of God. We've been in this series for a little while, and one of the things that you may have noticed with uh, all of the attributes is, though they're very different the things we've been talking about, they all seem to be woven together, um, connected, and um, you're not the only one to have had that revelation. Um, a number of people have said that to me, but it happens to be true because we're talking about the personality, the unity, the oneness of God. This is God's DNA. This is what makes him who he is. So um, although we talk about them separately so we can really dig into them, um, in a sense, they can't be separated. And that is very true when it comes to the next two, um, this Sunday's attribute and then next Sunday's attribute. So today's theme is the faithfulness of God. What comes to mind when you hear the word faithful? Uh, some people... <laughs> Some people think of the family dog, you know, loyal, man's best friend, always kind of there at your feet. Um, some folks think of like a, a lifelong friend who's always there. Uh, you might not talk to him for 15 years, but if you pick up the phone, that person will pick up and you guys will pick up where you left off. Um, I also think about uh, maybe it's just my heritage. But I always think of the Royal Guard at Buckingham Palace. Um, you know, those guys that they, they stand there for like six hours. Uh, you can get in their face, try and make them laugh, break, and they they never do. It's like they're frozen in place. Um, perhaps you even think of that geyser seven hours away in Yellowstone National Park that erupts every 75 minutes called... Old faithful, right? How fitting is that? Um, and that's all really good and well, uh, you know, good and well. But but it, none of that really wows us because all of that is very inert. It's stationary. It's kind of in the background um, there if you need it. And although some people do view God like that, um, that's a big miss, that understanding of faithfulness when it comes to, to who God is. Um, so let's get ready today for a complete redefinition of the word faithfulness from Scripture. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for who you are. Um, God, the, the depths and the richness and the wonder of you is incredible. And today we just ask that you would open our eyes to who you are. Um, God, just help us to see um, deeper and wider than we, we've ever seen. God, give us a real revelation into your heart, your character, and your love for us today as we talk about your faithfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, faithfulness. Now, I think the best place to uh, learn about God's faithfulness 
is in a little Old Testament book called Hosea, um, where we encounter, uh, ironically, a scorching case of unfaithfulness in a very, very, very strange story. Um, The book opens, the book of Hosea opens with God giving an outrageous command to poor old Hosea in verse 2. And God says, Hosea, go and marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. Now, just so you know, every first-time reader of the book of Hosea does does the same thing when they read that sentence. Um, Just to be sure and double-check, we go to the Hebrew or we go to the dictionary to just double check and make sure we have got the this word promiscuous down right that we're, that we're not misinterpreting it and sure enough we open up and we we discover that the word promiscuous is the same word for harlot um, and for prostitute and while the ink is still drying on this wild fact uh, we read on in verses three and four, verse 6 and verse 8 and 9, wide-eyed and half-believing what comes next. Here it is. So Hosea married Gomer, daughter of Dibliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Then the Lord said to Hosea, call him Jezreel after the massacre in Jezreel. Gomer conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. The Lord said, call her Lo-Ruhamah, which means not loved. Gomer had another son, and the Lord said, call him Lo-Amin, which means not my people. And at this point, again, for first-time readers, we, <laughs> we're pinching ourselves to make sure we're really awake. Is the Word of God really have a story like this in it? But, but we, we read on um, because at this point we, we can't look away. Um, we, we have to see what happens next. And we see that after Gomer has these three children, she continues to have relations with other men. And eventually she completely walks out on her family, wiping out any trace of pity that we had for this woman who was named for a gas station attendant in The Andy Griffith Show. Um, In fact, we can all think of a few other things to call Gomer at this point. And so it's just this wild, wild story at this point. But then we quickly learn that um, Gomer actually represents all of God's people at that time. Um, All of God's people who have been living out centuries of sin and evil against God. Um, And when I when I say sin, (coughs) when I say sin, it it really helps us at this point to know exactly what we're talking about. So here's the short list. Um, The people are in uh, are exercising blatant fraud, conspiracies and deception to defraud the poor, the needy and the elderly. Uh open rebellion and outright violence against the weak and the innocent, Um, oath-breaking, vow-breaking, and covenant-breaking at every single turn. And I know, I know at this point it sounds like I'm talking about Congress. I'm not, I'm not, um, but continuing on, 
drunkenness, temple prostitution, idolatry, and apostasy. Now, apostasy, in case you don't know, is refusing to uh, follow or obey God or his word any longer. So this is just taking the word of God and just chucking it. And then finally, even child sacrifice to pagan gods. Um, And again, these are the sins of God's people at that time. And it just just makes the point that as Gomer is guilty of marital adultery, God's people are guilty at this point of of spiritually uh, spiritual adultery of the worst kinds. And all of these just gross stomach turning sins. These are the list of their lovers, their their loves of sin. Um, and so, so it's pretty bleak. It's pretty dark. I mean, um, nobody feels good at this point in the book of Hosea. And we all know what should happen next. Um, Ho- Hosea should divorce Gomer and um, or and he can even exercise the Old Testament option here of having her stoned. Uh, stoned to death. Maybe, maybe he does both. You know, divorce her and then have her stoned. And we all know what God has the right to do at this point with His own people. Um, God, God could wash His hands of humanity. I mean, He has hung in there for for centuries and centuries in the Old Testament, and God could even rain down a few lightning bolts. And so, what happens next comes as a complete jaw dropper. As God speaks to Hosea in uh, Hosea 3, 1 through 3, and these are his words. God says, Hosea, go and show your love to Gomer, your wife, again. Though she is loved by another man, and she is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, his people. Though they turn to other gods, and they love the sacred raisin cakes. And by the way, that's just idol food. Um, So Homer says, uh, Homer, good gracious. So Hosea says, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a Homer and a leketh of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man other than me. And I'll behave the same way toward you. So I think we just need to stop here for a second. Um, after what just happened, um, I think we need to stop and do the math. Okay, first, let's do the emotional math. All right. Um, Gomer steps out on Hosea. Okay, get the order is really important. She steps out on him. And yet he has to go after her. Um, and he goes to her lover's house to buy her back from him. And I, 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 in my mind, I just imagine the kids in tow. You know, Hosea goes to the lover's house, kids in tow, knocks on the door, he opens the door, or maybe Gomer opens the door and the kids are like, <laughs> kind of in the back like the, like the pips, you know. Mama was a rolling stone. Wherever she laid her head was her home. That I mean, this is really it, right? And um, then he buys her back. And he, he sets the boundary. Hey, no more of this behavior. Not on my part, not on your part. And um, 
And then Hosea, in, in a sense, actually, he renews his wedding vows with her. So it's just an incredible act of, of humility on his part. He pledges his undying love to her after everything she's done. It, it, it's just an, an astounding moment. Um, but let's also do the real math here. Um, the, the Word of God says he paid 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a leketh of barley. Now, 15 shekels is 15 shekels of silver. It's not a tremendous amount of money. But the, the, the barley measure here is 475 pounds of barley. In today's market, um, that that's six months' wages. And I don't care who you are, six months' wages is a small fortune of money. What's the point? Okay, what, what what's the word of God getting at here? Well, it, it's pretty simple. It's just as adulterous Gomer is a stand-in or a representative of adulterous Israel. Hosea is a stand-in or a representative for our faithful, forgiving, pursuing God. Or as uh, Rabbi Abraham Heschel says, I love this quote. He says, Hosea is spelling out the astonishing fact of God's love for man, that he is a God who is in love with his people. Just let that settle for a minute. Let that sink in. This is what Hosea is representing. And by the way, that is the biblical definition of faithfulness. We just got it. Um, it's not a, go- a golden retriever by our side. You know, it's not a, so- a soldier frozen at attention. Um, it's, it's not a friend who's always there in the background of your life. Biblical faithfulness. God's faithfulness is forgiving, pursuing, lavish love that refuses to be snuffed out no matter how great the sin and no matter how great the sinner. That's what God, that's God's faithfulness. And by the way, that is what we see play out in the the book of Hosea. Um, We see as we continue on God's love crashing like a tidal wave over Israel's unfaithfulness. I want you to to hear just two passages. Um, These just blow me away, but this is God speaking about his people again after everything they have done. Hosea 2, 14 through 17, 19 through 20, and verse 23. Again, God speaking. He says, my people have forgotten me. Therefore, I am going to allure her, Israel. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor, which means the valley of trouble, a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day she came up out of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. I will remove the names of the Baals, the foreign gods, from your lips. No longer will their, will their names be invoked. I will remove. Uh, I will betroth you to me forever. 
I will marry you or betroth you in righteousness and in justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. I will show my love to the one called, not my loved one. I will say to those called, not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. Here's God again, much shorter passage. Hosea 11, 8 and 9. How can I give you up, Ephraim? That's another name for Israel. How can I hand you over, Israel? My heart is changed within me and all of my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. Why? For I am God, not a man. I am the Holy One among you. Okay. That is the faithful love of God for every generation. Every generation of men, women, and children. This is the heart of God. This is the heart of, of God who never who never forgets a promise, who never you know, exercises a take back, who never fails to do what he promised, uh, who, who, who never stops working for our good and who never, never, ever ceases to love us. Why? Because God is love. That's the faithfulness of God. Now, what do we do with that? Okay, well, first of all, if you're on the fence— Um, on the outside looking in on on Christian faith. This is what awaits you on the other side. Um, This is what the cross of Jesus Christ is all about. This is what Jesus died to make possible for you. The love of God, the life of God. um, Man, just all of this, this faithful pursuing love catches you when you say yes to Jesus Christ. But apart from receiving that love, um, what else can we do? Um, How can we join God and be faithful like he is? Because remember, faithfulness is a communicable attribute, right? Um, Those first few we talked about, like, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, God being omnipresent, all of God everywhere, all at once. We can never be that. But faithfulness, we're called to be faithful. God invites us into it. He commands us to be faithful. Um, He he, he, he calls us to, to follow his pattern of faithfulness. So, how, how can we do that? Well, there are two ways. Um, first of all, we need to abandon and we want to abandon the legalistic definition or understanding of faithfulness. Um, every, every attribute of God, every invitation of God, it has a counterfeit. And there is a counterfeit uh, definition of faithfulness or understanding of it that we don't want any part of. And I'll tell you what it is. Um, it is this legalistic idea that to be faithful to God, um, we must perform for God. Perfect behavior at all times. Uh, perfect attendance in all things church. Uh, read the Bible two hours a day. Pray two hours a day. Never have a stray thought. And of course, the famous one, we all know this one. Uh, we, don't, we don't ever want to smoke, drink, chew, or go out with girls that do, Right. Uh, that's legalism. Some people understand that to be, mean what it means to be faithful to God, and that's just not what the Lord is after here. Instead, what it means for you and I to be faithful um, is to live more and more, day by day, relationship by relationship for God. 
It means more and more increasingly live for God. Now, what does that mean, though? Well, thank goodness we don't have to look any further than our new friend Hosea for an answer. Um, We look at what he did in his broken relationship with Gomer. Okay, now remember, who's at fault here, right? Hosea or Gomer? It's her, not him. But look at what he did. Hosea demonstrates God's faithful, forgiving, pursuing love by forgiving Gomer. Even though her sins were great, just like God forgives his people, even though their sins and our sins are so very great. So the question is, at the end of this thing, who do you need to forgive? I've been asking the question all week long, and I've been doing this business myself, this transaction. I'm not telling you to do something I haven't done. But honestly, in a quiet moment, who do you need to forgive? Um, Whose face causes you to wince? Um, Whose voice is like a cheese grater on your soul. Who makes you change direction when you see them coming in the distance? And listen, I know I know what they did was bad. I know it was wrong. I know it was painful. Um, for some of us, it was criminally wrong. But this is the point of the cross of Jesus Christ. The point is that Whatever it was they did, and again, some some stuff people do to us are horrific, but ultimately, it doesn't matter what they did. The only thing that matters, what ultimately matters, is what he did, is what Jesus did for us. Because the cross of Jesus Christ, the faithful, forgiving, pursuing love of God, It is bigger than any and every act of evil, injustice, and sin ever perpetrated against us or anyone else out there. The cross is bigger than the sins of humanity. And it's so big, in fact, that we, like God, because Jesus died and because he arose, um, it's so big that we, we can forgive the vilest sinner. And I know that's hard. I know sometimes that takes a while. But this is what the cross means in the life of God's people. We can forgive. And we can become free. And we can become faithful. In other words, because of what Jesus did for us, forgiving us, We can forgive them because of Calvary, because Jesus died and Jesus was resurrected. We can forgive, we can be free, and we can be faithful. And brothers and sisters, I'll just say one more thing. Having had to live through this very recently with someone in our lives, Jane and I had to with someone in our lives, the flip side of it, living with unforgiveness living with bitterness, living with that darkness, it robs us of the life, the love, the joy that God has for every one of us. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Unforgiveness, 
will take that life right out of us. So let me pray for you. Let me pray for me. (sighs) Father God, we can all rewind the tape in our lives. And for some of us, there are things that have happened that that we we just can't even talk about. But Lord, to, to look at some of those things that have happened and just to to be free, there's there's just no way outside of Jesus Christ. But Lord, you died to set us free, to forgive us. And you say in the Lord's Prayer for us to to, to forgive as we have been forgiven. And so, Lord, we just pray for this miracle in our hearts to be able to, in Jesus' name, just give to them freely what we have received. And as as some of us even struggle to say those words, I forgive so-and-so for what they did. God, we just ask that you would break chains in our hearts and our minds. That, God, you would set us free in Jesus' name free to love, free to live, free to be everything you've called us to be. God, you are so good. And we don't want any anything other than your goodness in our lives. And so we just say yes today by faith. We thank you for the incredible example of Hosea, but even more so the incredible example of our God who let nothing stop him from forgiving us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, I hope you never have to watch this, but if you did, say a little prayer for me. I love you. Have a great, great day.